Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. What I'm excited about tonight is that we are starting a new um, Wednesday night sermon series. New Wednesday night sermon series tonight. So it's an awesome night. Y'all are going to make sure y'all want to come the next uh, three or four Wednesdays as we continue this series. But I want to welcome for people watching online, both Facebook and YouTube. Thank y'all for tuning and clicking in. Let's give our online audience a hand clap. Um, go ahead for us. Hit that like button. Hit that share button so we can spread this word to as many people as possible. To as many people as possible. So a new series that we're starting tonight is entitled this. It's, it's blank. Everybody say blank. It's not our job. It's not our job. Um, this sermon series, what we're going to do is what's going to be based out of is Matthew 6, verse 31 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34. This is going to be like the, the base scripture for this sermon series and what kind of inspired this sermon series. And this is what it reads in verse 31. It says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Basically what he is saying is saying, don't get caught up in the worries and anxieties of life. Because unlike people who don't know me, you have a heavenly father in heaven who can take care of all these things. So don't worry about those things. And he continues in verse 33, he says, But for, seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So every, somebody say, everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So what the thought is behind this sermon series is, what if it's not that we're doing a bad job? What if it's just that we're, we're taking on the wrong job? What if it's not that we're giving bad effort what if our effort is misplaced? Or, or, or what if we are trying to take on the role and responsibility that God is meant to take on in our lives? And if we do that, who knows, we're not going to do as good, as good of a job as God can. Am I right? So what we're going to talk about during this sermon series is we're going to talk about some different things, different topics um, that is not our job, but God's job. It's not our job, but God's job. Y'all get what I'm saying? Um, so let's start with the first one for tonight, and um, this is going to start in 2 Kings um, chapter 5, verse 9 through 15, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9 through 15. Now, this is going to be the scripture um, that we're going to um, be speaking out of tonight, and while y'all are turning there, I'll give you all a little context. So this story is about a man named Naaman, and he is a general in a neighboring country of Israel's army. Um, so he's not part of Israel. Um, he's in a neighboring country, and he has a bad skin disease or skin condition, and he's, he is on his way to the prophet Elisha to be healed from that skin condition. So that's the context. So let's pick up in verse chapter 9. It says, so Naaman with his horses and chariots arrived in style and stopped at Elisha's door. Elisha sent out a servant to meet him with his message. Go to the river Jordan and immerse yourself seven times. Your skin will be healed and you'll be made good as new. But Naaman lost his temper. He turned on his heel saying, I thought he'd personally come out and meet me. Call on the name of God. 
wave his hand over the diseased spot and get rid of the disease. The Damascus rivers, Abana and Farfar rivers are far cleaner than any rivers in Israel. Why not bathe in them? At least I would get clean. And he stopped off, stomped off mad as a hornet. Has, has God's direction ever fallen short of your expectation? Has that ever happened for somebody? Like you have this plan, you have this idea in your mind, and you're praying to God about it, and then he gives you the direction. You're like, wait, like this is not what I was expecting. Like your um, example, you're praying for a financial breakthrough. You know, you're praying, hey, God, cancel these debts. And God says, okay, well, stop eating out every, every day. And you're like, well, God, like I was expecting a fish to come with a million-dollar check in its mouth. Like that's what I want. You know, that's my expectation. But it seems that God always meets somewhere in the middle. In verse 13, it says, But his servants caught up with them and said, Father, if the, prophet had, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? So why not this simple task of wash and be clean? Isn't it funny that usually the greatest achievements in life start with the most simple ones? Start with simple tasks, tasks that we overlook, tasks that we take for granted. But in reality, the simple tasks that we all know we need to do are the ones that we need to make sure that we're disciplined in, to follow after what God wants us to be. It's usually the simple things that lead to, to the most significant things in our lives. We're almost done. Verse 14. So he did it. He went down and immersed himself in the Jordan seven times, following the orders of the holy man. His skin was healed, and it was like the skin of a little baby. He was good as new. He then went back to the holy man, and he and his entourage stood before him and said, I now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no God anywhere on earth other than the God of Israel. The title for tonight's message is, turn to your neighbor and say it, say the outcome. The outcome. It's not our job. It's not our job. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We dedicate this, this message, we dedicate this night towards your Holy Spirit, Father. Have full reign. Uh, we have no ego. We have no motives other than seeing your will be done in our lives, Father. So we thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place tonight. We thank you, Father, that this message is going to fall on, on open minds and soft hearts, God. That by tonight, by the end of tonight, we will find ourselves growing closer to your Son. We love you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody says... Amen, amen, amen. Come on, I'm glad to be in the house. Let's give Jesus a hand clap tonight. Allison, can you hand me my series or my sermon illustration? Okay, so um, about a year and a half ago, I started golfing. I seriously started golfing. Now, I'm not talking about putt-putt or top golf. I mean like serious, you know, 18-hole golf, like competitive golf. So this is like a year and a half ago, and I thought that when... I started golfing. I thought that it was just going to come easy. I was like, how hard can it be? You're hitting a ball with a stick. I mean, come on. Like, it can't be that difficult. It looks easy on TV. Like, I would watch, you know, the pros do it, and they just, like, go up, they hit it, and it goes where they want it to go. I was like, how hard can it be? You know, and, but I soon found out that golf was the most frustrating and fulfilling sport all at the same time. Like, you could go up, and you could, you know, hit a shot, and you can make good contact, and you're like, wow, like, I'm the second coming Tiger Woods. Like, I might, you know, go on a PGA Tour, like, this is great, this is awesome, and then while you're feeling so good about yourself, 
And while you're so confident about your game, on the very next shot, you can go up, and then all of a sudden, you, you lose focus just for a second, and you, like, hit the ball 10 feet in front of you, and you look embarrassing in front of your, your friends or whoever you're with, and, then, and now you're frustrated all over again. Now you just want to stop golf. Like, it's, it's an up-and-down game. Um, but I'm getting better at it, at it, and eventually, you know, I don't know, I get really competitive with my dad and my brothers-in-laws, and we play against each other all the time. Eventually, I'll beat at least one of them. But anyways, um, one of the first things I learned in golf, and it was very important, is that when you are, are playing golf and you get over the ball, what the most important thing to do or, the, or for, for beginners to do is that they need to make sure that they keep their, their head down and eye on the ball. That's all you got to do. It's pretty simple. Keep your head down and eye on the ball. But here's the thing. Most golfers, a lot of golfers like me, I'm a pretty anxious person, and I want to see where this ball is going. You know, I want to see, I want to pick my head up, because if this swing is feeling good, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to hit this so far. I want to look up before I finish my downswing. And so what would happen when I first started golfing, and I, I honestly, I still do it today, is that sometimes I lift my head up too early. I would lift up my head too early because I want to see where the ball's going. I want to see where it ends up. And so I would lift my head up too early, and I was getting frustrated in this. Until finally, my dad gave me some good advice. He said, Caleb, he said, he said boy, you, know, you better keep your, head, keep your head down. He said, don't worry about where the ball's going to end up because where the ball ends up is not your job. He said, that's not your job to see where the ball goes. Your job is to make sure you keep your head down, eye on the ball, and your job is to make sure you make good contact, right? Because if you, if you make good contact, if you keep your head on the ball, then the ball's going to end up where you want it to go, right? If, if, you, if you keep your eye on the ball and make good contact, you're going to hit a good strike, and it's going to go where you're hoping or you're planning that it's going to go. But it seems like in, in life, a lot of us, what we're doing is that when we get over the ball and we know we need to do the simple things, right, the simple things, the simple things, and we know we need to grow closer to God, we know we need to have prayer time, we know we need to make sure that, that we're slow to anger, right, and quick to forgive. We know these things. They're simple. But it seems like we're getting, when we're getting over something, we get anxious about what's going to happen. We get over something and we get anxious about what's going to happen. And before we're, we finish, we know we need to, you know, we should have read our Bible today. We should have done this. All these little things. But we're worried about something in the future going to happen. We're worried about an outcome. We're worried about a promotion. We're worried about if our children are going to finally make straight A's. We're worried about these things in the future that we take our eyes off what's in front of us. And that's what happens with a lot of us. And this is what al almost happens with Naaman. You see, Naaman, he almost missed out on his miracle. I'm doing my, my sermon illustration. So, man, I'm going to bring a golf club up there. Naaman almost missed out on his miracle because it wasn't happening the way he thought it should happen. Naaman approached this situation. He had an idea in his head. He had an outcome in his mind. He, he, he saw things happening a certain way. And when those things weren't happening a certain way, how he planned, how he thought it should happen, he almost missed out on what would be the greatest miracle of his life. First point for tonight is that, first point is that we need to make sure that we don't chase outcomes, but we chase obedience. That we don't chase outcomes, but we chase obedience. It says in verse 13, it says, but his servants caught up with him and said, and he said, Father, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? So why not this simple 
task of wash and be clean. See, it was only in the moment when Naaman was able to put down his will, what his expectation, when he was able to put down his right ego, when he was able to put that down, he was able to pick up God's will. It's only in those times we, when we can secure our outcomes. See, we can't, the reason why we can't chase outcomes, the reason, reason why we can't just chase after the desires that we want to happen is because we are all human beings and we're all corruptible, right? None of us are perfect. Therefore, none of us have perfect desires. Therefore, none of us knows exactly what's going to happen in, in the future. So if we chase after our corruptible desires, our, our corruptible ideas and outcomes, we might get there, but we might find out, we, we, we might find out that that was the wrong choice. That's why if we, instead of chasing our desires or outcomes, if we just chase obedience, if we just chase after what God has for us, what we know that God is leading us, if we chase after that, if we chase after what God has for us, then we're going to land in a spot way better than something we, can all, than we could ever imagine. Who agrees with me tonight? Yeah. See, Scripture, but here's the awesome thing. Scripture says, delight in the Lord, Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So you'll still get what you desire, but you first have to make sure that you desire what God desires for you. And see, that's what's the difference. Because... We don't want to chase after things that we, that we know or not know what's going to happen. But when it says that God has us secured in his, in his future, secured in this plan, then we know, then we know, check, check. Somebody say amen. Man, that woke me up a little bit. If we chase after, all right, the obedience instead of the outcomes, we're always going to find our, our, ourselves in a way better place. See, obedience is the key to unlocking what God has for you. Obedience is the key to unlocking what God has for you. See, Na Naaman said when, you know, he was, Naaman was upset with God's plan. Who's ever been upset with God's plan? Any people? I've been upset with God's plan sometimes. I'm like, God, you really want me to do this and that? Like, I can think of a hundred different better ways to do that. You know, Naaman was saying, wait, why didn't it... Elisha come out and wave his hand and make a big, you know, dramatic thing about it. And like, why didn't he do that? Like, he was expecting this. And he got upset because God's plan didn't meet his expectations. It was God. See, here's the thing. It was God's will for Naaman to be healed. That's the crazy thing. It, it was God's will for him to be healed. But he almost missed out on it because he was trying to do God's will his way. You ever try to do that? Ever try to do God's will your way? Like God wants something for you, but instead of being obedient to the direction, you're saying, God, I got, I got a better plan. I know a better way to get there. I know a, a quicker way to get there. I know a way to get there that I don't have to be embarrassed or I don't have to put myself out there. And by us doing that, I'm telling you, you can never get to God's will doing it your way. You have to chase obedience. But here's the thing, God can't lead us if we don't listen. God can't lead if we don't listen. Naaman was so close to missing out on the greatest, on a healing, on something that I'm sure changed his life forever. I'm sure that changed the lives of people around him. He was so close to not making it because he wasn't willing to listen. He wasn't willing to listen. It said until, he, he didn't listen until somebody, until a servant and here's the crazy, a servant, somebody who is beneath him, not above him, beneath him, somebody who he doesn't even have to listen to, 
And what I get from that is sometimes the biggest encouragements that we can get in life can come from the places we never thought it would come from. Right? He was listening to a servant's direction saying, hold up there, boss. Hold up there, person who pays, you know, my bills. Hold up there. You should do this instead of that. And, he, and Naaman could have easily said, hey, who are, who are you to question me? You work for me. I don't work for you. But instead, he did the awesome thing and he listened. He said, okay, maybe I was wrong. And that's, that's, what, that's what's awesome about the grace of God is that it doesn't matter how many times we go in the wrong direction. It doesn't matter how many times we don't listen to God. All it takes is this one act of obedience for us to get right back on track with God's will in our life. It says in verse 14, it says, so he, he listened to his servant and he did it. He went down and he immersed himself in the Jordan seven times following the orders of the holy man. And it says that his skin was healed. See, Naaman had to trust before he could be healed. He had to trust before he could be healed. That's the second point for tonight is that trust is our tribute. Trust is our tribute. And here's, here's what I want, how I want us to think about trust tonight. I want us to think about trust as the greatest way to honor God because it is. The greatest way to show God honor, the greatest way to show God how much you love him, how much you appreciate him, the greatest way you can do that is by trusting him. By trusting him. By saying, God, I believe that you can do what you say you can do. I believe that if I dip myself seven times in the Jordan River, that I'm not just going to get wet, but I'm going to get healed. Right? That's trust in God's will. See, that's how we show our thankfulness is by trusting him. That's how we show our honor to God, by trusting him. See, what happens is that when we don't trust God, what we're telling God is that we don't think that you're all who you say you are, God. You know, I, I believe that you're this, I believe that you're that, but I don't think you're really a provider, so I'm not going to listen to what you're telling me to do right now. Or I don't really believe that you, that you are really somebody who can, who can supernaturally heal, so I'm not going to do what I'm going to do right now. So when we don't trust God, what we're saying is not only God do I not believe that you are who you say you are, but I, I, but I believe that I can do a better job than you. That's what, we're, that's what we're saying to God when we don't put our trust in him. We don't trust in what he says that he can do for us. Even Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, even he had to put down his own will, right, and say, God, I trust you more than I trust myself. And in the, and in the end, when it boils down to everything, what makes God your Lord is when you can say, God, I have more trust in you than I, than I have in myself. That's when you make Jesus your Lord. It's when you say, I don't have trust in people. I don't have more trust in things or materialistic things. I don't even have more trust in myself. If there's one thing that I want to put my life fully into, that's into the grace of God. That's what you're saying to God when you put your full trust in him. And that's what Jesus had to do. Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane. And you can see, we can all see this picture right now. He's at the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows what he's about to go into. Jesus knew he was about to be crucified. He knew he was about to be whipped. He knew all the pain that he had to go through. But the awesome thing, he still chose to do it. I mean, a lot of us in that moment, if we knew the things that were coming in the future, a lot of us wouldn't still be obedient. But Jesus was still obedient even though he knew the consequences of it. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, he knows what's about to come. And he even asked God, hey, if, this, if, if, if it's possible, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But he said, but, he said, but, 
not my will, but your will be done. And by saying that, by saying that what Jesus was saying, he said, I trust you, God. Somebody say, I trust you, God. I feel like we need to say that. I trust you, God. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I trust you, Jesus. Because during a time like this, during a time when we don't really know, I mean, there's so many things going on right now. I mean, so many things. But man, even despite all those things, I still trust Jesus. Even despite what's going on, the unrest, the, the pandemic, I mean, and, you know, we're praying over the, the, the gulf for what's, you know, the hurricane coming in. Even though all these things are going on, man, we still need to have our trust in Jesus. We need to have that trust that say, God, I trust you even though I can't tell what's about to happen. Even though I can't tell what's about to happen. See, Naaman, he, he was trusting. He probably thought it was a little bit crazy. Dip myself seven times in the stinky river. It's like, who wants to dip seven times in the Guadalupe? Not me. You know, take me, you know, I'll dip in, you know, Mississippi, I don't know, Mississippi, I don't know, some clean river, I don't know. But not the Guadalupe, right? And he said, I don't want to go into that nasty water seven times. He's like, what's the point? But he did it anyways. And he trusted despite not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing really what's going to happen next. Trusting God, even though he couldn't know how it was going to turn out. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked about, you know, when I was at Bible college and I talked about um, uh, really how I wasn't focused at all. And the Holy Spirit literally had to, like, give me a couple slaps in the face. You ever, ever needs a couple, like, a wake-up call from the Holy Spirit? Like, hey, you're on the wrong track, dude. Like, I needed that. The Holy Spirit gave me that. And then I was like, okay, you know what? And then I got fired up. I was like, you know, I'm at Bible college. I might as well go all out on this Jesus thing. And so I did. And let me tell you guys, like, it was a complete 180. Like, in the span of three months, um, like, I read the whole Bible in three months. I remember, like, just being in my dorm room just reading. And, but people knew where to find me, you know, when it was at nighttime. Because, you know, I was just, like, I was reading my Bible. I was going through it. I was like, man, man, this book is kind of good, you know. Like, for the very first time, I'm just reading, like, and I just couldn't put it down. And it's like a complete 180, and, you know, I, I got my prayer life straight for the first time. I just felt like, man, I really felt connected with God for the first time. And all these things have been a complete 180 on the inside. But here's the thing. Nothing changed on the outside. Nothing was different on the outside. And that confused me. Because I, I get to this place, you know, I, it's been about, you know, three months since I had that complete 180, and I'm, like, fired up. Like, man, I, like, I, I feel like I'm so close to God. But it seemed like, no, nothing on the outside was changing. Like, I had a complete 180 on the inside, but nothing on the outside was reflecting what I felt on the inside. And I was confused by that. And I, I was starting a, a new semester at Bible college, and, like, I'm like, man, God, I'm finally, like, I feel like I'm, like, position right like I feel like I'm finally straight with you God like you're not mad at me right now like I feel like I'm doing good so I was like God I just know that I'm gonna get like these responsibilities I want I just know God that you're gonna like you gotta reward me somehow like I know I'm gonna get these roles I want so I had all these expectations about this new semester and then all of a sudden all the 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 responsibilities or roles that I wanted started to be handed out to people who I knew didn't, didn't, wasn't in, the, in it for the right reasons, and that I knew wasn't nearly praying or spending time with God nearly as much as I was, but yet they were getting promoted, and yet they were getting the responsibilities that I wanted. And in that moment, man, I was confused. 
I'll remember just praying one night and say, God, all right, what's up? Like, where's the prank? Like, you know, I'm like, where's that? Like, God, what's up? Like, I'm praying every day. Like, I'm reading my Bible every day. I had a complete 180, yet nothing on the outside is changing. I'm still in the same spot that I was. I'm not getting, you know, recognized for it. I'm not getting any kind of, like, God, like, and then I remember in prayer, I said, God, what's the point of all this? I remember saying that. I said, God, what's the point of all this? What's the point if I'm spending time with you, if I'm praying, if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm fired up with you? What's the point if none of these things that I wanted to happen happens? But this is how God responds to me. He said, Caleb, he said, well, what? He said, are you, are you, are you loving me? Are you serving me? Are, are you spending time with me for the accolades? Are you doing that so you could get a platform? Are you doing that so you could get a new responsibility? He said, or Caleb, are you doing this because you love me? And then that's when I had a heart check. I said, you know what, God? And I thought this. I said, no, I'm doing all this because I love you. And even if I didn't get a, a promotion from it, even if I never got recognized for it, even if I never ever, you know, somebody ever told me a pat on my back for it, I'm still going to keep on doing this. I'm still going to keep on serving you. I'm still going to keep on loving you. I'm still going to keep on reading my Bible. And that's why I did. And I said, God, I, I trust you. I'm still going to do this even though nothing on the outside is changing. And here's, here's the crazy thing. As soon as I made that, that mindset change, as soon as I did that, all of a sudden, like, all these doors started opening. It was crazy. Like, all these things started opening, and these promote or these responsibilities I wanted, I got the one above those. And I was like, what is going on right now? And then I realized is that God's always going to look at the motives of your heart. God's always going to look at the motives of your heart. Because you can't, you can't fool God. For a little bit, I thought I could fool God. I was like, man, if I, you know, walk to the right beats, if I do the right things, you know, God's going to bless me. You know, God, I'm going to get that job. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. But you can't fool God. He's never going to bless you if your motives was this promotion, if your motives was this something that wasn't right from the heart. You got to trust him, not from a place to, to give or, or to receive, but a place to, of, of love, a place of saying, God, I'm, I'm in this not for the things. I'm in this for you. So can you all stand up with me tonight? And I want to close with this thought. Haley, you can join me. I want to close with this thought. Our job is obedience. God's job is the outcome. Our job is obedience. God's job is the outcome. And here's the revelation I found in that. I found out that it didn't matter how much I worried it didn't matter how much anxiety I had. It didn't matter how much I tried to make my will happen. It didn't matter how much I tried to make my desires come into fruition or, or what I thought should happen, happen. It didn't matter how much I tried. Even if I got to the place I wanted to go, I never found happiness. I never felt completed. I never felt fulfilled. I never found that place that I thought it would give me. And this is what happens. We call it, it's called the next mentality. If somebody says, ooh, if I just got this new car, if I just got this new job, then finally I would be happy. If I just got this new promotion, then finally I would be happy. And then they get that new car. They get that new promotion. They get that 
their, their healthy body. They finally want to, they get that, and they don't, they don't feel how, what they thought it would feel like. So they say, okay, well, now I need to do this and this. And they go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, chasing happiness, chasing fulfillment, chasing, chasing things that they would never fully be able to grab hold of. Here's the thing. The outcome, the, the, the end, what our purpose in our life, all that belongs to God. And if we don't follow God's will, if we don't follow what he has in front of us, we're never going to receive it. That's why I've learned instead of trying to chase things, instead of trying to chase a new job, and try, instead of trying to chase these desires and making that what's going to be my fulfillment, instead I'm just going to chase after you, God. Instead, God, I'm just going to be obedient to your will, despite what it looks like, despite what it feels like despite if it doesn't look like it's going to work out or not, despite the anxiety I feel on the inside of me, despite the worries that are around me, despite of it all, God, I'm going to chase obedience. Because if I do that, if I chase after the will you have for me, if I chase after the things that you have for me, if I do that, then I know that the, my outcome, my purpose, my calling is secured in you, secured in him. What we want the goal for tonight is that it's so simple. That's what Jesus, when Jesus came, he didn't, make, he didn't come to make things complex. He didn't come to confuse people. He didn't come to make things so different and to make things so, you're not knowing what to do and so many options. He came to make things simple. He came to make things easy. And he said this when he was telling his disciples, don't worry about all those anxieties. Don't worry about you know what he said what you aware what you eat instead of don't worry about all those things instead of worry about one thing all you have to do is put my kingdom first that's all you have to do all you have to do is put my kingdom first and all those other things will be given unto you and here's the thing anxieties and worries and things and and the enemy tries to put on our shoulders we can always feel dead under that weight or we can give that weight unto God and when I say that the, that the outcome belongs to God, what you're doing, when you say that, saying, God, I fully trust that where you're taking me is going to be better where I think I should be at, or I fully trust that, that your will is for me. When you say that, what you're doing, you're lifting up that anxiety about the future, that anxiety about where you're going, that anxiety about the outcome. You're lifting that off your shoulders because here's the thing, the outcome's not our job. That's not our job. When the enemy tries to tell you you're not going to end up where you're supposed to end up, when the enemy's about to tell you that you're going to miss out on something or tells you you're not where you're supposed to be, say, hey, guess what? That's not my job. It's God's job. I don't have to, I don't have to listen to that. I just got to make sure I listen to God. And when you're obedient, I know it's where people works for me. I feel that anxiety about the future lift off my shoulders. Because I said, no, God, I don't know what the future holds. Nobody does. God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know how my, my needs and my, I don't know how they're going to be met. But God, that's not my job. That's your job. My job is just to be obedient to you. My job is to make sure that I'm in your will. My job is to make sure that I'm just listening to what you're telling me. So I want to sing a song tonight. And I just want to sing this together as a church family. And what I really feel is that right now, anxiety, right now, worry has gripped us all. I felt it grip me in this season. But I want us just to draw a circle around ourselves and sing a song to heaven and say, God, I trust you. God, this anxiety, worries, they don't belong to me. 
I can't carry this on my own. I can't carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. It doesn't belong to me. God, it belongs to you. So I give it on to you right now. And I will release it to you right now, God. And I just want us to feel that weight come off our shoulders and off our back where we no longer have to worry, but we just have to trust. So come on, let's, let's sing tonight. Just lift up your hands and sing out to the Father. yourself tonight. It's just about you and Jesus right now. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. We're not here for blessings, Jesus. And I'm not here tonight. Father, we thank you that the fear of the future has to go. Father, we thank you that the anxieties from the enemy, the worries from the world, God, that we lift them off our shoulders right now. That right now, God, a peace is coming into this room. That right now, Father, those anxieties are coming off our shoulders, coming off, God. The weight of the world is lifting off from us right now, God, and we give it on to you. Because, Father, it's not our job to worry about the future. It's not our job to worry about the outcome. It's not our job to figure out what the future holds for us, God. Our only job is just to be in your presence, to be obedient to your word, God, to let your presence, God, just overflow us, just come over us, God, and give us a peace, give us a refreshment, give us a reminder of who you are, that your Holy Spirit is in control, that you're always with us, God, never leave us, never forsake us, that doesn't matter how far we stray, doesn't matter how many mistakes we make, but Father, that you're always there. That you're always with us, no matter what, Father. We give you all the glory and the praise tonight. We thank you, God, that the grip of anxiety no longer has control. That worries no longer has the authority. But, Father, you have the final say. And that your word is true. And that your promises will be fulfilled. And it doesn't matter what's going on around us. But we believe, God, that you're on the inside of us. Leading and loving us, God. We love you, Jesus. 
And everybody says, come on, amen, let's give Jesus a hand clap tonight. Father, we thank you for being so good to us, Father. I want to give somebody in the house tonight say yes to Jesus. You might be in this place and you're saying, Caleb, I hear what you're saying. I, I hear the message, but I don't know for sure if I've even taken that first step to Jesus yet. I don't know for sure if my, if my name is in the land book of lies. Well, tonight is your night, both in person and online. So church family, just repeat after me. Let's do this together. Say, Father, I acknowledge that I need you, that I am a sinner in need of saving. And I believe that your son is Jesus and that he died on the cross for me, taking away my sins, taking away my anxieties, taking away my worries, and that he rose again on the third day. Jesus, I proclaim you Lord over my life, Lord over my mind, and Lord over my emotions. In the name of Jesus, and everybody says, come on, amen. Let's give somebody a hand clap and say yes to Jesus for the first time. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.